0: You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, We're going to get right into God's Word, and we're going to do something a little bit unusual tonight. We're going to do a topical study. Uh, As many of you guys know, whether it be online or in the room, we just finished Revelation. It was a glorious study. There was 25 Sunday night messages. There was 27 27 Sunday night messages, 25 bonus episodes. Uh, We were in it for quite a while. Didn't take us a full year. We started back in middle of summer, uh, finished and just finished. I know this is sort of a a unique situation and season because we're coming up on a full year of the coronavirus season. Can you believe it? It was about this year and we were like, what is this thing? And everything started to get canceled. Uh, And so we're still in that season and throughout this season of teaching through a book, uh, what I've done as a pastor is just touch base with you and give you um counseling messages, things that are in our culture, in our world today, what the Bible addresses. And so tonight I want to talk to you a message from that heart, from that mindset, as we sort of have a break. Now, next week we're gonna get right back into another series leading up to Easter. It's gonna be called Better Together. Not one of us is as good as all of us, and we're gonna walk through what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Uh, from First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and just talk about uh, the importance of body life, of community, of spiritual gifts, as we lead up to Easter, talk about the resurrection, and then we'll get into uh, another section of the Bible. And so we love going through books of the Bible, but like I said, we're still not out of this COVID-19 season. You can see a little bit more of the light at the end of the tunnel, but things are still a little bit different. It feels more like a studio. Uh, There's uh, mass still, and every culture is a little bit different, but where we're at, uh, it's been really hard. And I'll just let you know, just to touch base, I feel like Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshaphat, during the season, uh, there came across a story. It's in Second Chronicles. In chapter 20, he was facing a lot of opposition, and it was really hard. He didn't know what to do, if he should go left, right, straight, forward. And there was this enemy that was bringing him danger. And he was supposed to lead people. And um, in, in verse 12, he says, For we are powerless against these great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I feel like as a leader, that's what sort of this last year, these topical messages or sort of pastoring a church through this season, it's like, man, there's a horde all around us. There's riots going on, there's COVID, there's this, there's that. And then there's just like normal broken life, like dealing with interpersonal relationships and skills and all this different stuff. And I feel like I've been Jehoshaphat being like, listen, I do not know what to do, but we can still fix our eyes on the Lord. And this is a very important thing for us to understand and to move in, that it's okay not to have all of the answers, but we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Through this season, we've still been pursuing and proclaiming Jesus. And so this is going to be relative to our church in the vision of where we want to continue to move forward. But I want you to think about it personally for you. And it could be with Corona, Virus in this season, but it could just be with job or making some key decisions in your life, you will come to a point in your life where you just have to say, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm entitling this message, Moving Forward in Uncertainty. How do you actually move forward when you don't know what to do? And yes, it's a repetitive theme. I don't know if you've noticed this in this whole season. But the Bible talks a lot about this because I don't think it's necessarily that we would disagree with this statement that we can move forward, but the the reality is, is how would we move forward as a church, as a community, as a Christian in this world, 2021, when really we can't really bank on our trust in certain systems or things that we thought that were reliable in the past. And God help us and forgive us. Maybe we put too much strength and trust in certain systems and things like we took for granted But the reality is, is God wants us to move forward in our faith, in our love, in our hope, in the things that we live in this world. And so we're going to pray and we're going to talk about this thematic topic. And uh, if you have a Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 16 tonight. Acts chapter 16. So let's pray and then we'll get into God's word. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we can pray, that we can talk to you, that we can be here together. And we do pray, Lord, that your spirit would minister, that you would teach That you would encourage and give us guidance, Holy Spirit. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. We pray for guidance. We pray for, um, Lord, just wisdom and discernment in, in the things that are even in our hearts right now. God, there are many right now that are sick, that are watching online, that have been going through things, that have to make decisions. Give them wisdom. Grant them strength. Help them, Lord, to walk in your will. And we thank you, Lord, that we could find your will in your word and that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, and you've given us your word. And so speak to us as we look to your word tonight, as we apply your word to us as a church, as a community, and us in our individual lives. We love you. We bless you. We pray for uh, just a great time of fellowship with you, Jesus, and your spirit as we gather under your word. It's in your name we pray, God. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, man, if uh, Caleb back there is going to make some noise, y'all better make some noise, too. We can get a little charismatic up here. Let's go. Hey, before we get going in this outline, I I do want to give a little caveat and get to full disclosure here. I'm just super blessed by uh, community and friends and pastors. And we have this little text group that we text. I text a lot of pastors on Sunday mornings. And there's a guy that I know up in Vero Beach, Calvary Chapel. He was uh, just recently teaching at a pastor's conference, at a Calvary Chapel pastor's conference, Jim Gallagher. And uh, I got this outline from him. He would specific, he had different necessarily points and verses, but I just want to give credit where credit's due. And it made me think like, as I've come come to these topical messages, what I've tried to do is when the Lord has ministered something to me, I've tried to come on the Sunday morning or Sunday night or whenever we're meeting to give that to you. Don't forget that ministry is an overflow. And there is a great benefit when we are around godly people and they impart Love and wisdom and God's word to you. And so I just want to say that because I can easily have just gone through it. And obviously, you know, when I teach something or someone else takes something, it's like the Holy Spirit uses that verse and sparks something else on. But I just love that, that Jim Gallagher was teaching this. It sparked something in me and, um, and, you know, and now I'm giving it to you. And so I want to encourage you that as you're getting and studying God's word along, if, if something sparks in your heart, if God's teaching you something, just, man, write down, be expectant, be ready for that, and share that with other people. Oftentimes, we make it too hard. It's like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? How's it going to happen? But God knows how to speak to his children, and when he encourages you, just encourage other people with his word. And so uh, I thought, man, this is something that I want to share with our church in a different perspective, because we talked a lot about uncertainty. Man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps, right? But It's not a question framework of how, it's why, or it's not, it's not why, why we, why do we trust in these things? It's, it's how, how, how practically do we move forward in 2021 as a church being here on Sunday nights when still in the midst of coronavirus season and all this stuff going on? Like, what does that practically look like? And I think sometimes we get so isolated in ourselves. We think it's just us, but there is a character in the Bible, the apostle Paul who led in uncertainty as well. And if you actually read the Bible, most characters in the Bible, they actually lived a life of faith, meaning they didn't have it all together. Most of them messed up, they weren't perfect. And when we think of Acts chapter 16 in the life of Paul and reading about him before we move and jump into the context, I want you to understand that this guy was not perfect. He was he was a great church planner, he wrote almost half the New Testament, so many books of the Bible, but there was points even in his leadership and his life where he was like I don't know what to do. And we're going to actually read something that says, like, he's going to go try to go left, and the Holy Spirit says, nope, go right. And oftentimes when that happens in our lives, we think, well, I must not be in the will of God. This is so hard. I don't really know. It's normal. It's normal to live a life of dependence, and I want you to see that in Scripture. Because you may be asking, okay, I know the what. We should pursue and proclaim Jesus, but how do we do this in the season? What does that look like? Okay, I know I should follow God, but with what? What grand planned? What does that look like practically? And those are very good questions to ask and you should be asking them and they're really good. And so this is sort of like a part two of our vision night that we had two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked a little bit. Let me give you a brief update for those that didn't make it or uh, you know didn't, didn't know the, the, the big idea. The big idea is this. God provided for our church for us to get through 2020. Of all the years... That our church could have closed down, 2020 would have been a pretty good ideal year. But it didn't. God is still directing. God is still moving. And what we were able to do is show through how we spent our money, how money came in, God was moving, and we were able to spend off of our values. And we had to cut back a little bit, but praise God, we were in the black last year. We're not in the hole, we're still surviving financially, but more importantly, it shows that there's maturity and worship going on in our church, and that we're living by faith and God has brought us together. And I shared a little bit about how last year we were planning on a sabbatical, uh, and we had everything prepared for the church and for us personally, COVID hit, God redirected us as a family and as a church to take a sabbatical this year. And this is a planned thing, a sabbatical would be a season of rest for renewal. That you would stop work, a regular routine, and you would spend extra time seeking God and get renewed. And so we, I shared one story, and I'll share again. Uh, the first time, uh, it was probably like three years ago now. I don't even know. This last year has felt, felt like a dog year, like seven years, right? Um, but three years ago, when I was praying and confirming that we should go on a sabbatical and just plan it for the church, it was in my heart every seven years the pastors take a sabbatical to rest to get restored, to just take extra time to seek God in their rhythm. And um, I had asked, Lord, if you want us to take a sabbatical, provide $10,000, $10,000. And God provided $10,000. Well, fast forward a little bit. We had everything planned, but then coronavirus hit, uh, all this stuff happened. And with, uh, you know, giving and everything, it's like, well, Lord, do you really want us to go again? And so I prayed, God, if, okay, if you want us to go, provide another $10,000. And so Laura and I said, okay, it's not, we're obviously not going to Europe. We're not traveling doing crazy stuff. We just want to seek God and spend extra time renewing our faith and just enjoying him. And so two or three weeks later, after we decided we're going to go by faith, we prayed. And then there was a donor that just gave us $10,000 and said, we want just, just put it on my heart. Here's the money. And it's just really cool how God continues to provide and answer prayer. And this is why we want to implement uh, being a people of prayer and seeking God in these things. Because, man, if we're not going to do what he wants, what's the point? And so we're taking steps of like getting back into a rhythm of, um, you know, I know the first of the year we started 21 days of prayer and fasting, but, you know, this last Thursday, we started our first Thursday of every month. We're going to fast and pray. And you're able to do that even if you're online, even if you're not maybe even comfortable coming in a building, to just seek God together. And we, we're being guided by the Lord. And He's doing great things. And He's giving us direction. And And the bottom line is He's faithful. He's good. And so it's a very hard season in which you cannot rely on the past or things, but you have to be more dependent on God. And let me just tell you, church, that is an okay and good thing to do, to be dependent on God, to trust him, to seek him more, to, to say, hey, we already had this already thing planned. Should we do it again? Should we move forward? Should we stay? I don't know. Let's, and let God minister and help you in those ways. And so I wanted to take a look at Acts chapter 16 uh, and talk about moving forward and, and give you five principles for your life and that we can apply together in this season. And this is a very important thing because the Bible is very practical in certain ways. You know, Romans 15.4 says that for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. It's so that we could learn and know some things, how to live this life right now, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. I think a lot of people need hope because they don't know what to do. They wrestle with the will of God and and what does that look like and and, and all this different stuff. And we're going to see tonight that the Apostle Paul was a man of faith and we can learn some principles to have some encouragement and hope tonight. I wrote this down. I think this is important to understand in this season and talking about this over and over again. Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods always change. Principles never do. It's a little cute rhyme, a cute little proverb, but it's so simple because we get so caught up in our method of what we do and rigid. And the Holy Spirit moves, the Bible says, Jesus is like wind. He blows and goes this way and that way. And it's so important for us to follow him. And he gives principles that we're going to see in Paul's life that we can apply in our life. They may be a different method, they may be a different generation or different time, but principles are transferable And it's amazing when you think about this giant man of faith struggling in an uncertain time and how we can learn from him. And so Acts chapter 15 gives us a little bit of a context as we go into Acts chapter 16 of just this chapter and the situation at hand. Now, if you know the apostle Paul, he was a, a, a church planner, an apostle, going out and preaching the gospel. And he had a ministry partner named Barnabas who really brought him under his wings, taught him the word of God. And they were praying in Acts chapter 13 and, and against uh, with the elders and pastors. And the prophets came and said, hey, I want you to go and plant churches and sent them out from Antioch. And they went on their first missionary journey and went pretty good. People got saved, church were planted, it was pretty awesome. Now in Acts chapter 15, they're talking about, let's go and strengthen these churches. There's been some seed planted, God has obviously done work, let's now disciple, let's go and strengthen and and appoint elders and do these things. And they're like, great, this is awesome. The only problem is Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul didn't want to take John Mark. Remember that story? John Mark in their first missionary journey, what, for whatever reason, he got a little afraid, he was a little scared, and he left. He did. He said, I'm out. Paul said, you're not worthy. You weren't found faithful. And so Paul valued faithfulness where Barnabas, he valued mercy. They had two different type of values, systems, gifts. It's okay if you have different values, systems, gifts than other people in the body of Christ. And it says that they had this great disagreement. So Barnabas is like, no, I'm taking John Mark. Paul said, fine, I'm going to take someone else. I'm going to take Silas. And out of this conflict, there is actually multiplication. We're seeing in the word of God that out of even evil and disargument and distension, there actually could be some good stuff happening. Don't forget that. Don't forget that God, even with the enemy intended for evil, God can use for good. And there's nothing wrong with having different values, different different. Uh, viewpoints and God bringing people together and splitting them as well. And so we see in Acts chapter 16 uh, this second trip from Paul. But it's his first time he's ever led his own missionary trip. Okay, so I want you to just think, think that in mind. Read with me in verse 15, just the, the last few verses. It gives us this context. It says, and there arose a sharp disagreement, verse 39, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas, took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, uh, departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicily, strengthening the churches. And so now they're in a season where was Paul right, was Paul wrong? He doesn't know, but there was a great conflict and there was a fight. You ever have one of those fights that you're emotionally drained, that, that you question, did I do the right thing? It drains you. It's emotionally daunting. But yet he now goes and serves the Lord. Meaning you can go and serve the Lord even when you have conflict, even when you're emotionally drained. It's still okay. It's always okay and always good to do the right thing, no matter what you feel. And so now in in chapter 16, verse 1, we'll read through verse 5 and give you some context more and give you your first point. He's going to strengthen the church and go on his first missionary journey as him as the leader. It's a second missionary trip, but now he's the first person in charge. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well-spoken by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for uh, observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. Here's the first principle that I want you to pick up and write down and learn from Paul. When you are uncertain of what to do, do what God has already called you to do. Do what God has called you to do. We know as the church, it is the church's role and commission by Jesus to make disciples. And so Paul was a mostly drained, got in a fight, but he didn't leave. He took Silas with him. And then he goes in chapter 16, he sees a young faithful guy, Timothy, and he says, okay, now I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to pour into him. And what is he doing? He's pouring into Timothy, making disciples. The primary role of the church is to evangelize. So now he goes and takes these other guys. They're evangelizing. They're making disciples. And it says in verse 5, they're strengthening the churches. The church was strengthening their faith, and they're increasing in their numbers daily. Paul goes in this uncertain, emotional, broke-down state to just saying, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Another way of saying is, is don't give up. God has called you to do some things. And if he has not directed you to do other things, then keep on doing what he has called you to do. I wrote this down. Being faithful may not be flashy, but it's very impactful. God wants you to be faithful. Whatever he's told you to do, being faithful may not be flashy, but it is impactful. And if we want to make an impact for God's kingdom, we need to pass on the things that God has called us to do. And if you remember, Timothy would actually become in, like a son to Paul in the faith, and he would grow in his faith. He, Paul would write two letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and he would actually tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, and what you have heard from me in the presence of my witness entrust to faithful men. Faithful men, those who will be able to teach others also. So principle number one, if you're having an uncertain time, if you don't know what to do, What has God actually told you to do? If you're a husband, you should be loving your wife. If you're a wife, you should be loving your husband. There are a lot of things in the Bible that God directs us to do that when we don't have fresh revelation from God and we don't understand what we're doing, what we have to do is do what God has called us to do. Now, many may think this isn't really an uncertain time for Paul, but let's just see how it gets a little bit worse for Paul. In verses 6 through 10, it says this, And they, speaking of Timothy and Silas, these brothers, these people that are making disciples, evangelizing, they went to to the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we don't know what that means, but they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Imagine Paul just picked up Timothy and said, we're going to Asia, let's go. They start going to Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, nope, don't go there. Okay, verse 7. Then they had come to Messyria. They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. So now, okay, we're not going to go to Asia. Let's go to Bithynia. Let's go to this this other place. But the Spirit of God, Jesus Himself, did not allow them to. It doesn't say how, it just says that. Okay, so we're not going to Asia. We're not going here. So now they're passing by Messyria again. They went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia who was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go up into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, remember, they're doing what they're called to do. They're strengthening the church, and it was the church that was built through Jesus and the death and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit came upon people like Joel 2 prophesied. You remember in Acts chapter 2, when that happened, Peter preached the gospel and said, in the last days it shall be like this, that God declares, I will pour out my Spirit upon flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And the church was established, and Paul now is going and doing that and strengthening churches as a sent one, an apostle. And he has this vision. And there's a difference between a vision and a dream. A vision is when you see something and you're awake. A dream is when you see something and you're asleep. Not that complicated, right? But the text says he had a vision at night. What are you supposed to be doing at nighttime? Sleeping. So imagine now he's taking this young man, this other guy, it's his first trip. He's going here, Holy Spirit says no. He goes there, Holy Spirit says no. So now he's in Troas, don't know what to do, did a little circle back, and it's nighttime, he should be sleeping, but he has a vision instead. So God is directing him, but it seems a little stressful because they attempted to go to Asia, nope. They attempted to go to Bithynia, nope. Finally went down to Troas and it was there that the Lord spoke to him and directed to him. The second principle that you can learn from Paul in this text is, listen, when you are uncertain and don't know what to do, be more open to the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Be more open to the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit to lead you and direct you. Paul needed direction. So God's Spirit moves and leads him, and this is a very common thing that still happens today. God guides us through his word, but he also edifies us and manifests the Spirit through his body and through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, where Paul would actually plan a church, he would say, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is alive and active, and God had already done this with Paul because you remember his first missionary journey, there were the prophets there in Antioch, and they laid hands on Paul and sent him out. But it's, it's, it's a lot harder to trust God when you're growing in your gifts, in the gifts of the Spirit. Before it was like, well, I'm new in the faith. That mature person that prayed on me, they gave me some word of prophecy, so now that's getting me going. Now Paul is having his own visions, and now He's learning to grow and be led by the Holy Spirit. God uses the gifts of the Spirit through people to edify, to encourage, and to guide His people, which means we need to embrace the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit in our lives, especially in uncertain times. I think for us, we need to be more open to the Spirit's leading as we gather and allow the body to minister to one another, to be able to listen to prophecy And to be guided by vision. And to seek God in prayer. And to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. This is why I want to teach through the gifts of the Spirit. Because 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or to be ignorant. You shouldn't be ignorant of these things. This didn't freak out Paul. He actually accepted this vision and was guided by that and was like, Okay, great. So I'm going to conclude that God is working there and now direct me in this way. But we need to understand when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit that not everyone has all the gifts. That God uses different gifts to manifest himself and to edify one another. And this is why it's so important for us to be a part of a body. To be a part of the church. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet in one another as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We should be gathering more and more as we've just come out of Revelation knowing that these are the last days and the end times are coming. And this takes, a, this takes sacrifice and it takes work. It takes work to set up these cameras, to practice worship, to study the Bible, to set up, to tear down, to be able to gather and have a place, even finances to find a place and to do these things. It takes effort into getting ready and having, uh, you know, Um, getting your kids here and and doing all this different stuff. And that's just to gather for a service. And this is where you guys aren't even talking very much. What about when you have to engage and make hard conversations and help one another and and dig deep and rebuke people and, and get and be a part of one another's lives? See, I have no problem with people watching a service online. And I have no problem with you in this room watching But being a part of the body is more than just going to a service. It's having loving accountability. It's having people know you and you know them and and using your gifts to serve and to love and to give and to comfort and to encourage and to edify. And so we're going to continue to broadcast and continue to do online stuff, but we need to be able to have gatherings where we can have small groups and talk about things and know one another and pour out and exercise these gifts. And whether you're online online, or you're in the room, you need to have people that know you, that serve you, that love you. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variety of grace. And so now Paul is having this spiritual gift happen, this vision is directing his team now to go down to Philippi. And you would know that Paul would plant a church there. Philippians, he would write to them. And so, We need to embrace the work of the Spirit, and that not only means for our own lives, but having that direct people. So, Paul's story continues, and we see in Philippi there's no mention of a man. Do you remember the vision? He had a vision of a Macedonian man. Well, in verses 11 through 15, he finds only women. There wasn't even enough men to meet in the synagogue, so they found some women at the river, and they're preaching the gospel there. He must be thinking, where is this man? But you see, Paul faithfully ministered to where he was at. And so there's this lady, Lydia, who gets saved. Read with me in chapter, R, in verse 14 and 15, it says, The Lord opened her heart. Open whose heart? Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The third principle I want you to understand is when you need to move in uncertainty, you need to look forward, you need to look for open doors. Look for open doors. We need to be more flexible, our dynamic in our approach and our methods as a church. And this is very hard as a person. You know, think about it. Churches have rhythms. They have seasons. You think about every seven days, there's a service, a Sunday gathering. There are certain outreaches like Christmas, Easter, uh, we, as our church, have many multiple booths that we got into a rhythm of doing outreach, a rhythm of gathering in one's homes and community groups. These rhythms, though, have drastically changed this year, haven't they? But there have been a method. And the reason why you have these rhythms is to get to God. And God sometimes will open up doors to get you out of a routine and a rhythm just so you can look to him and his leading and not look at the method. We need to be looking at how God is guiding us in very practical ways. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I'm sure that Paul, when he was going to Philippi, was super excited about this gift. And he saw this man. And there's no man. Just women. And there's nothing wrong with women. They should be there. They're there worshiping the Lord. But he saw this man, and he had one expectation, but the reality was over here. And, and what he could have done is just been like, well, I'm just going to walk over. It it's it's, didn't pan out in my head of what I wanted, so I'm just going to give up. Most people do that. They have an expectation. They live it so much in their head, and it doesn't pan out what they want, and so they just forget it. But you know what he did in that moment? He still did what he was called to do. He preached the gospel. Because it said she responded to the words that he spoke. He said, okay, well, I, I don't see the man yet. But you know what? I'm going to continue to do what I know what I'm supposed to do. Even if it doesn't look like I know and familiar with what I saw, I'm going to preach the gospel. She gets saved and she says, come now to my house. The household gets saved. And there he's being led by the Spirit and continually be directed. And he's not doing what is just in his head, but he's going through the open door that God gave him. Can I just remind you, church, that Barwick Road Church is an open door that Redemption Church has been given by God. It is a very difficult thing right now to find a place that you can meet in our county to rent, to have the restrictions that we need to have and do what we need to do. And oftentimes what has been a holdup or something in our minds has been like, but it's not Sunday mornings or it's not at this location or this time. Is it a little inconvenient and it's not what we want? Yes, probably. We've looked for a Sunday morning, but what is the door that the Lord has opened up for us to do? You know, with this door of having this facility, we've been able to teach through the whole book of Revelation this year. We've been still been able to gather. We're going to be having apologetic class this uh, in a couple of weeks, March eighteenth, um, to be able to teach God's word and to form community. One thing that's been really hard for my wife and I is not having people in our home. How do you social distance in a home? Some people are comfortable, some people are not. So we invite some people, we don't. It's been hard, it's whatever. And that was one of our methods to disciple, to have community groups, to pray, to have meals. But what happens when you can't do that? God still wants us to reach people. And so instead of meeting in a home, we're gonna meet on a building on Thursday nights. If the methods change, but the principle is still the same, what doors have God given us and we need to embrace those doors, even when it's a little uncomfortable or you don't want to lean into it. You know, for us as a church, I just ordered and got received this last uh, Friday. Today is Sunday. Yesterday. Yesterday, I just received 5,000 door hangers. Because I figure if we're going to be here in Barwick Community Church on Sunday nights, then you know what? Let's go invite some people. There are plenty of people going downtown, going out, doing their thing. Let's let people know that we're embracing this open door, that we're meeting on Sunday nights and we can actually have people come and gather with us. And so I'm going to be going out every Saturday before Easter and I'm going to pass those things out and I'm going to go invite, and I'm just going to use the doors that God's given me. Is it a preferred method? Probably not. But you know what's amazing about this unpreferred method that Paul had? You know what the end result was? Lydia found salvation. I don't care what the next steps are for our churches. As long as God is getting the glory, we are growing in our faith and people are finding Jesus. Because the mission of our church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And so we have to walk through open doors. And I'm trusting that God will give us open doors and rhythms and new methods of evangelism. Because right now, it's not necessarily, people aren't open to just street evangelism or there are not going to be any city booths that come to us right now. But that didn't stop the work of God to move. And it won't stop the work of God in our hearts either. Well, the story goes on. He's going through this open door. It continues that in verses 16 through 14, we see Paul and Silas get beaten for the gospel. They get hurt for the gospel. Uh, The story is there was a girl that was possessed, demon possessed. Uh, She had this power, but she was annoying Paul. and So Paul just cast the demon out. And so the owners of this girl uh, got upset. They got mad because she didn't have this demonic power anymore. And they attacked Paul and Silas and they beat them. In verse 23, it says, And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering jailer uh, to keep them safely. So they got beaten and then they got thrown into prison in Philippi. The door that God opened for them, the door and the vision of the Spirit, how he moved them to this area, and now they're in prison. And here's the crazy thing. You may want to do your own personal study this week about how you can rejoice, how you can be positive, how you can still praise God in the midst of your situation. Because in this text, it says Paul and Silas started singing. They started praising the Lord in prison. God then sends a great earthquake and shackles are freed, but Paul and Silas do not leave because they knew that the guard there would actually be killed if they left. And so they use this supernatural work to actually preach the gospel to this, uh, the prisoners and to this man. Now we don't know if this is the man that Paul saw in the vision. It was a man, but we don't know if it was the man. But this man... Because of their way they responded to Jesus in this moment, in this trial, this man saw the Holy Spirit move in their life. And in verse 30 through 33, it says, Sirs, because remember, he's speaking now Paul to Silas, this guard that was guarding them. He says, what must I do to be saved? How can I have the joy and the strength and the courage that you had when you got falsely accused, beaten? You could have left, but you stayed here praising the Lord. And they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. The fourth principle I want you to understand from this text is when you're moving in uncertainty, don't be discouraged by opposition. Don't be discouraged by opposition. Guys, opposition to the kingdom of God is a normal thing. Everything isn't always easy, is it? Everything isn't always easy. It's a part of life. There are distractions. There's discouragement. Things come, and when an obstacle comes, we can make a decision or a choice. They were rejoicing in that moment, and you can rejoice in your moments too. Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. James would say, take the trial with joy. Why do we know this? Because God is always working. God is always working. I don't know the outcome of our worship together as a church, but I do know that God will use our worship together and our time to bring him glory in our community. I can't guarantee that there will have... 25 baptisms or 200 salvations or we'll grow by this number or that number. But I I do know that if we're doing what God's called us to and we're ministering to one another through the gifts of the Spirit and, and we're walking through the open doors, there's going to be some opposition, isn't there? And when there's opposition, we can actually embrace that and still praise the Lord. We can still worship God. You know, I hope that you're praying that more people in our city would find Jesus, that they would know God and they would get saved. But I also pray that you would understand that even in your own heart there will be opposition. It won't be all easy. Not just evangelizing, so out there, but allowing God to do fresh stuff in your heart and repenting of sin and maturing in your faith. Just because you get discouraged or face opposition doesn't mean God isn't working. And we need to be people that encourage one another and reach out to one another when we're in community to see people in our church that are discouraged so we can minister to them. I I think a lot of people are discouraged in this season, and, and that's okay. But church, we can do something about it. We are doing things about it. We need to continue to reach out to people that physically aren't here on Sundays, I know that many of you all watch online and we notice you and we pray for you and we care for you and that's okay. We understand that even people that are coming go through lulls and downs and ups and what a blessing it is to be with one another fighting the battle together. Now, I don't know who started it, but think about this. There was guys singing in a prison. Did Paul start singing or did Silas start singing? The text doesn't say. We just know it says they were singing. It sort of encouraged me to think that Silas could have started that song. Not the leader, but the follower, the one that was more strengthened. Because we think positionally the leader has to do this and everyone will follow. What about the influence God gave us to actually lead others? I think it's cool that Paul could have started singing the older guy, the one that discipled him, saying that Silas could have saw the example in Paul, start singing and then brought along and sang. We don't know which of the guys sang, but whoever started, the other followed. That's how community sort of works. My dad would always say, you are who you hang out with. Who are you hanging out with? Who is your strength? I want to let you know that you could be strengthened through community, through one another, And as we face opposition together, we should look to one another to encourage one another. Don't be discouraged or surprised if there's opposition if you're doing things for the Lord. Now, lastly, one more thing, which may be a little weird, but it's good for us to see in this text. Verse 35 through 40, we see the last conclusion of this story in chapter 16. In verse 35, it says, But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. What men? Paul and Silas, those guys had been beaten, and the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Yay, they get to be free. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But look what Paul does. He says, But Paul said to them, They beat they beaten us publicly, uncondemned men. Who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison, do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. Now, the context of this, if you were a Roman citizen back then, you would have to have a fair case before you were thrown into prison, beaten, falsely accused. And so, Paul, for some reason, in this moment, would use his Roman citizenship card like he'd never had before. He had been beaten, actually, before, and he would talk about this in 2 Corinthians. I've been shipwrecked, beaten, abandoned. And he didn't always say, I'm a Roman citizen. But sometimes when it came to strengthening the church and to build other people up, he used that for his advantage to minister the gospel. And so now he's like, no, 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 no. We're not leaving anywhere. Why don't you come and tell them to to let us go? Because I'm a Roman citizen. You did this wrong. It's interesting because he would... Tell the church in Philippi, Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had a greater allegiance in God's kingdom than his Roman citizenship because he always didn't use it. But when it was appropriate, in wisdom, he used it because he was still a Roman citizen, and he wanted to use that to benefit the blessing of other people. And so the text says in this last section, they came out and they apologized to him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Paul, Silas, please don't tell Caesar. You can have your way, do your thing. And then in verse 40, it says, so then they stayed in the area to strengthen the churches. So they go to Lydia, strengthen the churches. He was fully sold out for the gospel, but he uses practical Roman citizenship privilege to strengthen the church. Here's my Final and fifth principle, if you don't know what to do in your life, number five, know your true citizenship. If you need to move and you want to move forward and there's uncertainty, there's not clarity, understand your true citizenship where he says, I am a citizen of heaven. Now, this sounds political, but it's really not. The Bible says, like I just read, Philippians 3.20, that our true citizenship is in heaven and that we pray that the Father's business would be on heaven, on earth. We understand that as human beings and as Christians, we have, in a sense, one reality here on earth and one reality that supersedes that of heaven. So you guys are, most of you guys are probably U.S. citizens, Some of us have been blessed to be born in this great country. Most of you guys, not all of you, but some of you, most of you live in Palm Beach County. Some of you, but not all of you, those that are very blessed, are even in Delray Beach. Right? We all have certain agendas, certain areas, certain citizens, certain rights that we have to live being a Christian here in this county, in this region, in this area. It's who we are. When he says, I'm a Roman citizen, he just wasn't, he didn't buy his citizenship. He was born that way. Because remember when he had Timothy, it mentioned Timothy was, had a father who was Greek. He wasn't circumcised, so he had to do all this different loops and stuff. Some people would even ask Paul, well, did you buy your citizenship? And he's like, nope. This is my ethnicity. This is my race. This is my background. This is where I live. This is who I am. This is how I see things. And God wanted to use that for his glory. And so he used that little thing, being a Roman citizen, to strengthen churches for his glory. Now, why is this important and why do I bring this up? Because, especially in COVID-19, we need to be a community that knows our true citizenship of where we live here in our nation, here in our county, here in our city. But having heaven supersede all of that. We're citizens of heaven, but we're Christians here in this county. And so I just had friends come from Washington State and there are churches that are closed there because the government said you can't meet. Our governor has said you've been open. You can make the decision. So we prayed and we want this policy and we're doing this. It's so important to understand this because what ends up happening is is if you're living here in this society and you don't recognize you're a citizen of heaven, you can get everything warped And Paul did not use this right for his own benefit, but for the benefit of others. We have to be wise moving forward in the community because if you open up too soon, you're not loving. But if you open up too late, you're not loving enough. It's a weird thing. What does that look like? Well, I think it's a case by case in a different situation because Paul would actually not use this Roman citizenship all the time. But when it when he was led to, he would do it. To give you an example, last year they gave out a PPP loan to small businesses, non-profit organizations. Well, because we are a nonprofit 501c3 church, and we've done all the right IRS legal status, we were able to apply, and we gained salary for two and a half months. Now, is that wise? Absolutely. That was a thing in our government that we said, hey, you know what we could do with this? And on the vision night I shared, we got all this money and look how we used it to bless all these people. It was incredible. It was amazing. Some of you guys know when Brian was delivering toilet paper to all of y'all. Remember that? That was just like this year. When things were going crazy and you couldn't even find meat. And we were delivering chicken to people's homes and giving this out and doing this and that. That was because we used wisdom in the opportunity that God gave us in that moment in that season. Does it mean we'll always do it? No. Does it mean that we'll go this way or that way? No, we don't know. We have to pray about it. And what ends up happening is, especially when things are so divisive right now with policy and stuff like that, is we need to be concerned about how the Holy Spirit is leading us and our true citizenship. If God tells us to go this way, do it. If he says do that, do it. We can't judge our brothers and sisters who are in a more open state, maybe like Texas, if they're doing things oh, they're dumb, I can't believe it, oh, or other brothers that are closed up because they've had half their congregation that have had coronavirus. Do you understand that when you know your true citizenship, it precedes all of the policy, it precedes government, it precedes all of these things, and I could tell you, we went through an election, but, but man, politics are still going to be a hot topic, and we have to know that our true citizenship is not the United States, it's Jesus and making the gospel known preaching Jesus and his kingship, not political views. In fact, Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 17, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. We want our words to speak of the gospel, not to fight over policy or politics, but to actually be led by the spirit and to know what what, in light of eternity, how can we make the best decision? How will this strengthen the church? How can we get the gospel going forth? And you know what the gospel means, breaking the law? So be it. John and, and Peter did that as well. But what does that look like when in light of eternity, Paul knew his true, true citizenship and he used this card to benefit others. And you can use whatever your background is, whatever your race is, your uh, economic status, whatever your citizenship is for God's glory as well. And so have wisdom, understand that as you move forward, that God made you to be you. You all were born in this season 2021 right now for a specific reason so you don't have to trip out or worry about what's going to happen 100 years or back in the 1500s we are alive right now for a mission and a purpose and that's to pursue and proclaim jesus together and so let's pray and ask god to grow in that wisdom and knowledge of His saving saving son to walk in that and know how do we do that in these times So briefly, to overview, to recap, to close, and I'll close in prayer. It's these five principles. If you don't know what to do in uncertain times, do what you've been called to, number one. Number two, be more open to the work of the Spirit. As Paul had this vision and was growing in that. Number three, look for open doors. God gives you some open doors You can walk through them. He'll open doors that no man could shut. Number four, don't be discouraged by opposition. It's bound to happen when you're advancing the kingdom of God. And you can move forward in knowing that there will still be trials and God will work. And then finally, fifthly, know your true citizenship. Don't get caught up in what people's opinions or what they're doing over there are comparing. But know that you are a child of God, that you can follow God's will and you can pray. And as God guides us as a community, as God guides you as an individual, you can lean into, man, God's word says it. I can claim it. I can walk in that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to your word, that we can get some practical advice and counsel from you. Your word, Lord, and we just do pray, Lord, that you would continue to move and that you would continue to guide. Uh, We want to take time just to close this service just to worship you. To ask God for you to do a great work in our hearts again and to do a great work in our church again. Lord, we need you. Part of uh, being in a situation where we don't know uh, means we need to cling to you. We know that you're Alpha and Omega. You know everything, God. And so we just ask, Lord, for you to continue to guide us. Spirit of God, we want to wait on you as we worship. I ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Your word says we can ask for wisdom. Strengthen our spirit and our soul. Guide us, Lord. Speak to us as only you can. And Jesus, I just pray for those that are watching that may not know you, God. I pray, Lord, they would receive your gospel, that they would know your unconditional love, that they would repent and turn to you, knowing that they're sinners and they could be saved by your grace today. For your word says if we believe in the resurrection, believe that you died and rose again, Lord, that we will be saved. So I pray that they would confess that with their mouth, that they would cry out to you today, and that we would all walk in a life of dependence on you. So, God, we want to wait upon you. We want to sing to you. We want to celebrate and and understand that you're a faithful God and and rejoice in your name. And so, Lord, as we come once again and partake in communion and just Sing and enjoy the fellowship we have in you, God. May you do a deep work. May you, you do a work that only you can do. We look to you, Lord. We thank you, God, that we can call upon a good God, a great God that speaks, that is alive. So we ask God for you to speak to us in these moments. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We ask God for you to have your way. In your name we pray, Jesus. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.